make a deal with Netflix and you don't have money that comes into you forever. You get paid and then money 20% more or 30% more, but you that's it. It didn't come natural to me. There's so many things that I think about now I wish I had known when I was younger. What I believe resonates with people who are particularly now is content that has some sort of meaning to it. It's more than just pure entertainment. And so suddenly MTV was the only thing it seemed in the whole world and all of Hollywood and everybody else was taking their cues from this startup. I did not know a single writer when I became a writer. I think if you're trying to become a writer from someplace other than Los Angeles and New York, I still think that's really difficult. Welcome to Entertainment Business Wisdom with your host, Kaya Alexander. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Entertainment Business Wisdom. I'm Kaya Alexander, your host, here with my special guest today, Brooks Elms. He's a life coach for screenwriters. He's also a screenwriter. Assume he has zero credibility. If you find one of his ideas helpful, allow that to inspire the next step of your career. Brooks, welcome. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I feel welcome. And I appreciate you introducing me without any sort of credibility. Why? <laughs> why would I do that? Why would I do such a crazy thing? And here's why. Credibility is a shortcut for us to go, should I pay attention to this person or not? And I don't want you to do that. Like if whether I, I've won a hundred Oscars or I'm a plumber, right? I want you just to evaluate the basis of the idea. And is it useful for you? Does it make sense? Is it reasonable? Does it give you a, an idea that's that's helpful? Then take it and run with it. Don't worry about me. Listen to this for you and your career. Uh, and then, because sometimes credibility can sort of distract us from that. So that's why I do it. I love that. You know, we have a lot of writers on the call today because we're recording live in front of my students of the Entertainment Business School. And this cohort has been almost all screenwriters, as well as those who listen to my podcast, lots of writers. And you, sir, have philosophy for writers. I've been reading your book, Answering the Call. It's really, really great. I've been enjoying um, wrapping my head around your philosophy as I approach my work as well, um, this new feature that I'm working on. So will you tell us about it? Unpack it for us a little bit, your philosophy. Yes, great. Um, so uh, so I've, I started out making movies with my friends and it was just a lot of fun and I never stopped and I've written a lot of screenplays now. So over those years, I was trying to figure out um, how I was doing what I was doing. And then I started uh, teaching it to other people. So that's kind of how it came about. Um, the first five or so screenplays that I that I wrote and, and a couple of my mate, I, I wrote and directed and produced as indie features, I, uh, and I'm not saying that for credibility, I'm trying to say it for context, <laughs> but, but, but what happened was it, I was just kind of winging it, right? I was like, well, I got an idea and I kind of sketched out a little bit of outline and then I went and just went. Like I, I made a movie when I was 22 and I, when, when I got like feedback that I didn't like, I was like, ah, they're jealous. And it's like, you know, and, and so over that time I realized, well, hold on a second. And then the, the, those movies were sort of, people that saw them liked them, but they were so sort of autobiographical dramas that it was a really tiny audience. So I was realizing, well, how do I expand my audience? Mm, um, good question. 
and then I um and then I found Blake Snyder's Save the Cat system, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's got some really good ideas <laughs> about like maybe Hollywood knows a couple things about the story structure that I don't by just kind of winging it, you know. Um, so once I learned Blake's system, I was like, oh my god, this makes it so much easier, and I started banging out two scripts a year that were the best things that I had written. Um, and so from there. I ended up teaching at UCLA Extension for a little bit. Again, I was like, well, how do I articulate what I've been doing um, to other people in, in a way that makes sense? And then, um, and I just sort of ultimately kind of boiled it down to nine steps. Um, and it's, it, sort of, it sort of takes where what Blake did. What I thought Blake was great about, um, as opposed to lots of other people, and, and I, love, I love storytelling theory, so I love you know, Bob McKee's weekend seminar and all these guys. I, I love it. It's fascinating. But for me, Blake Snyder's system was more actionable. And I was like, oh, it's actually, I can actually follow this step by step. It's not just theories and principles. It's like, this is like a guide. So my, my book really kind of reads like a manual. It's like as absolutely actionable as possible. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Your audience is wondering these, wanting you to have answers to these questions. So ask yourself these questions. I promise you, you guys can answer these questions, but you can't answer them if you don't think to ask them to yourself. So my book is basically, in a way, almost like a series of prompts. It's asking you the questions that I know your audience is, is really wanting to know. Um, and then once you answer them at a deep level, you, you, your work is going to get so much better. What are some of those questions? I love that you have the audience focus, um, as did Save the Cat, right? You know, how do you make your audience care? And um, I'd love to hear some of those questions. Well, uh, the system basically, it, it's, it, it starts out with what's the premise, what's the concept, um, that, that part of it. So actually, the, the step one is what are your favorite movies and shows, right? Because where are you coming from? Like everybody here on this call, you got into the business because you saw some movie or some show and it blew you the F away. Like you were like, oh my God, this changed my life or this sort of like, there's somebody else there out there that feels this like I do. It, like, it just, it blew you away, right? That's a significant draw to why you're even here on this call right now. And so when I am aware of what my favorites are, I've got a uh, Full Metal Jacket poster back there and, and yes. there's a Before series back there. Some of my favorites, um, when you're aware of your favorites and you kind of create stuff that feels like it's in the family of your favorites, now you're tapping into your, your you, like you are a world-class expert on your favorite stuff. You could watch that stuff and probably have over and over and over and over, right? From that place, from that authority, from that thought leadership, when you create your story from that place, it's it's totally different, right? So that's step one. And then step two is, so so the question version of that is like, what's your favorite stuff? Right. And you guys all, all know this and you might have some of those lists, but like when you do it formally and when you put it top of mind, it makes a massive difference on the work that you do. And then step two is what's the premise? What's the concept? Hero, goal, conflict. What is the core narrative? Um, and again, those are questions you can answer. And I'm sure everybody here has log lines and whatever. But like when you if you wait until you have an amazing concept or log line. Because again, so when I started, I was like, I got an idea. You know, it was like maybe the first of a couple of that ideas that I had. And I just went off and I actually made that movie. So like, 
the thing is, is that if you're really patient about each step and make sure you crush each step, then you fully squeeze the juice of the orange and then you go to the next one. And then ultimately from there, it's like, what's the main structure choices? Uh, act one, act two, A, midpoint turn, act two, B, act three, beginning, middle and end, right? Same stuff Aristotle was talking about thousands of years ago. Um, and then you expand it from there. It's like 15 questions is, is the next step, uh, which actually I'd call it 15 questions. And it's it's all the stuff that starts to flesh it out. But you do it in a way where you're basically in conversation with yourself. So of the, the screenplays that I wrote, um, two thirds of them I've written with uh, writing partners, really amazing writing partners. And so when I co-write, it feels like an awesome ongoing conversation. When I write myself, I have that conversation with myself, you know, for good and for bad. I mean, the good thing is it's like, I get to make all the decisions. I don't have to, I don't have to <laughs> guess to be exactly what I want. The bad news is it's like, I got to have that conversation with myself. So it's like playing tennis. I hit the ball over the net and I got to run over and I got to hit it back. Um, but you know, that's the trade-off. Um, but that conversation sort of centered approach for the writing game to me is really powerful. It's also a really significant component to the game of selling your script once it's done. Uh, sort of thinking about things from a conversation-centered perspective. And, and the last thing I'll say, and I know I've kind of thrown out a lot of stuff here, um, is if you think about your favorites as, as sort of cultural conversation points, that's a really helpful thing. Like, what were those movies, what were the conversations that came out of those movies? Like, specifically, what were the themes they were exploring? What were the conversations people had around those movies? You can go look at the reviews. What did you talk about with your friends around those movies? But conversation is a really sort of accessible and, and powerful way to sort of think about our craft. Because ultimately what we're doing is we're telling stories at scale. The same stories you tell with your friend at like at a bar or over coffee or whatever, you're just doing that in a, in a structured way at scale for tens of thousands or millions of people. Um, anyway, so that's an explosion of ideas. <laughs> Not very organized, but uh, you know, what, do you, what do you say? You asked and I, I tried to answer. <laughs> From my life as a development exec, I'm always telling my students, it's great when you keep your pitches conversational, because the more someone is involved uh, as you are telling them the story and they have questions and they want to know things, the more alive it feels to everybody in the room versus I'm going to lecture you this pitch, you know, for the next 20 minutes while you sit there and listen like a child, uh, it can just feel more alive. So I'm curious your perspective on that, where you said taking the conversation of the story from the conversation at the water cooler about your favorite movie to the conversation with your own screenplay or possibly a writing partner as you parlay it all the way into the conversation. Sounds like with the buyers in the room as you're pitching your movie. Yeah, here's a really interesting example uh, with that. So uh, I live in Los Angeles. My, my wife. Um, uh, was taking this stand-up comedy class in LA. And it was great. She's really funny and, and awesome. But the number one thing, if you guys have ever done stand-up, is literally just sort of getting physically used to the nerves of being on stage. So all these new comics were up there and they did the showcase and one after another, just train wreck, just absolutely <laughs> terrible because they weren't thinking about conversation at all. They were like, holy crap, I hope I'm funny. I hope, I hope they don't bomb, this is gonna be terrible. I mean, everyone was internally focused, just getting over the physical experience of being in front of somebody and talking. Yes. At the end, at the end this professional comes in who's just trying out some new material, totally different energy he was in conversation energy they were in basically like you know um <laughs> like like disaster mode like oh my god i hope i don't suck up <laughs> so i mean you know and even if they had funny material the energy of it was just kind of painful but you know you're supporting them it was fine the professional went in there and was like 
joke A. And literally he was studying us, the audience. He was like, how is this? He's like, blah, 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 blah for the joke. And he listens. And there wasn't that much. Okay, that, that, that joke is not working. Next joke, blah, 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 blah. And there's a couple of titters. Okay, there's there's something there. And the next joke, blah, 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 big laugh. He goes, okay, that one works. But he was methodically studying, playing the audience. Night and day difference between the, the beginners and the the you know the professional. So if you guys ever do get to get to a pitch, when I would the last time I pitched a TV show, um there was me and my writing partner were, were we, we had basically a 20-minute-ish pitch. And the sort of big shots that were attached to it would kind of introduce us, and then we would do the pitch. And um, but the first three, four, five, six, seven times I practiced it, it was really kind of bumpy. By by the time I got to eight, nine, ten, I got over just the physical nerves, and I was just in the flow of the pitch. You know what I mean? And you're just trying to engage. You're trying to like tell them the story that you love. You know? So uh, yeah. So when you come from that place. Um, and then you, that, that same energy kind of comes into the page. So your voice is on the page and it kind of crackles on the page in the same way that you're just having a really good conversation with your friend. That's, that's the magic. And what I, what I try to do, guys, is keep it, keep it really plain and simple. Like, don't make it more complicated than it is. It's really just telling a story. Um, and yet, at the same time, you got to elevate her down to your soul so that you're actually telling a story, but from the deepest places in you, from your deepest life lessons, that time you effed up some relationship, that time you sold yourself short, that time you, um, you know, regret something because you, you, you got hurt or whatever, or you just, you know, life smashed you in the face and, and you, then you messed up in response to it. Like, that's what you're writing about, how you got your ass kicked and how you learned from it painfully and slowly very slowly, got a little bit better, learned a little bit more, and then realized how you picked yourself up off the effing ground and triumphed anyway. Like when you are crystal clear about your own life lessons and you allow that to come through your screenplay, that's when it pops off. And that's not just like, oh, it looks like a screenplay or whatever. It's like, no, no, you're telling them a life lesson. You know, you're telling them how you got, you, your heart was broken. Your spirit was broken. You know, um, that's what it's about. Do you orchestrate that as you're writing? Do you go into a project feeling that place of maybe pain or joy from a life experience you had and then think, I want to tap that for this next script? What's your process like? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's so there's, there's, there's two, there's two, everybody here is, is probably uh, in two different poles, right? You, you are um, on one side, you're, you're a little more intellectual. You're like, I like this, this, and that. You're kind of writing from that stuff. And, and you're probably in, in this stuff about soul and feelings might be like, ah, eh, it's kind of overwhelming, whatever, right? And that's perfect. There's other people that are like, woo, there are a lot, you already are out there. Like, ah, eh, soul this, so your soul will be all right. And that's perfect, right? The key is find out where you are in that continuum and, and, and sort of package it in a way so that you put your ideas through your protagonist and the goal and the conflict so that it comes through to the audience, right? And it's fine for either way. So if I'm coaching somebody else, I just, I, I find out where they are in that continuum and then I, I, I get them to that sweet spot really in the middle. For me personally, I started out doing super autobiographical stuff. So like my, uh, I, I went to NYU Film School and I I, um, I keep dropping, it's weird because this is the first time I've like done the no credibility thing, but I really like it. But keep now every time, your credibility. Every, every time I say something, I'm, I feel like super like name dropping bullshit. So so I, I'm sorry if it comes across that way. But I went to NYU Film School and I, I, I made this thesis film. And the thesis film was, was about how I brought my girlfriend home 
to to hang out in my hometown and like she didn't get along with my best friends and i had this this real sort of personal i was like ah, do i need my girlfriend my best friend anyway so it did well as a as a you know whatever thesis film but i started from that place so super autobiographical super sort of character centered um but like i said it was kind of narrow so my path was about going okay how do i do what i do well with authentic characters and then broaden them out and then i found like thrillers uh to really sort of do what I do, but also in, in, a, in a, a wider way. So to the point of, so if you're like me, that you're sort of naturally drawn to character and personal growth and, and that sort of thing, and you're open to kind of soul, then, then you'd probably come from that perspective and you'd make sure that it's it's leaning into the genres that you like. Like like the, the a breakthrough, a seminal moment I had in my career, I was talking to this, this, this producer and I was trying to pitch him to come in Get involved in this one project that i had that was for me <laughs> broader than the super autobiographical stuff that i'd done it was like a coming of age story uh set in the hamptons where i grew up as a local so it was a class conflict love story with a real authentic spin and he was like look it's great but like write me a genre movie i need like i want something that's bigger and i was like oh i don't like genre movies you know and i had to realize that like well hold on a second i'm gonna actually refuse it. i refused the call I was like, ah, I can't do it. I don't like, I'm not going to do something that I don't, that's not my heart. I can't do it. And we walked away from that meeting and there was another producer there who's going to produce that other one. So we're, it was one producer was already attached and I was trying to attach the bigger fish producer. And the first producer was like, what are you doing? He's basically offering you a job, write him a goddamn genre movie. I was like, oh, geez. All right. You're right. So I did. And that actually cr cracked me because then I went from sort of talented sort of amateur to professional because I was like, well, I don't hate all genre movies. In fact, some of them I deeply love. What if I write that? What if I write the type of genre that I love, that has the characters that I love, and then it all came together. So to your point about like, I, I start with, when I coach somebody else, I start with their favorite films and shows, right? And then, and then, I, and then I match that with what, what's going on in their life. What's been their biggest life challenges and how are they handling those life challenges from their head and kind of thinking around their way? And that's fine. Or are they like, you know, they've been in therapy for a while. They've talked about whatever. That's, that's a different thing. And it doesn't matter, but I figure out where they are and I figure out their take on their life challenges. And then from those two places, we find the nexus, your favorite types of movies and shows, whatever the real deal in your fucking life. And where does that where does that intersect? That's your next movie, and then we develop it from there, so that you are coming at it from this thought leadership place. One one more one more story that I think you guys will like. You know Paul Schrader, uh, writer of like Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, and he directs a bunch of stuff too. Um, when he taught his class at UCLA Extension, he would, <laughs> I don't know if it was Extension department, but he taught this one class at UCLA. He would not care about how talented you were as a writer. He would basically say, give me, <clears throat> if you're going to apply to be in this class, write like one or two sentences about your biggest life problem. And then he would just pick the people that had the most interesting life problem as they described it. Ah, I just went through a divorce or ah, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with, you know, my sexual orientation or, ah, you know, I, you know, I, you know, whatever, whatever the life problem was, he was like, Ooh, the, these seven people seem to have the biggest, the most interesting problems to me. We're going to do a class with you guys. And then he basically, cause that's what he did with taxi driver. He was like, he was in this place where he was just alienating himself and hating the world and, and, and projecting all this anger and venom out in the world. Um, and ultimately realizing it was him and he just couldn't deal with it. So he wrote Taxi Driver as a sort of therapeutic thing. So he then taught his process based on your life problem first and went out. So, which I think is really insightful and interesting. Yes. Um, and so, and that kind of speaks to what you're saying. It's like, how do you take that stuff 
and then match it with sort of the cultural conversations that are going on in your favorite movies. And there's a nexus there. And that's your that's where your superpower comes from. I love that. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What advice do you have for writers struggling with their vulnerability to figure out how do I, well, I don't want it to be too personal, or maybe they're a little out of touch with their feelings and we want to get those feelings on the page. Yeah. Um, well, that's really a, a personal growth thing, right? Your, your emotional IQ, how aware you are about that stuff. And so, um, my suggestion to you, and again, I'm sure some of these people are like like personal growth geeks like I am, and there's other people that are like, I don't like any of that stuff. And I like some of my best friends are like not into that shit at all. And that's that's totally fine. Um, the key is if if you want to get more awareness of your feelings and how to think about them and how to um, really get that authenticity, you got to find your own way. And it could be as simple as talking to friends a lot, going on a hike, you know, going down the, the woo-woo scale, then you go to like, you know, meditation uh -huh. or yoga or like, you know, one of those drug trip, <laughs> drug, drug trip experiences. You can go there. I mean, there's all sorts of things you can do. Um, it's, it's your psyche. It's your world. Do it at your pace, not mine, not anybody else's, your pace in your own way. Um, but like, if you're getting notes back on your stuff where they're like, I can't see you, your voice isn't in here, then, then, then that is an arrow towards your personal growth stuff. Um, one, one other option that I really love is um, it really changed my life was, um, well, therapy is a good one in general. Like if uh, it, it's, you know, if anybody who's resistant to therapy, don't be, because it's great. You basically go there and you yap and people listen to you. It's great. Kind of like what's happening here. But, exactly, <laughs> no, no, but, but like, but it's your own personal therapist. It's really awesome. So anyway, so if, if you're ever, if you're ever kind of like, yeah, you know what, you know, like somebody's like, Hey, you should go to therapy. And you're like, I don't want to do that. I'm already perfect. I, like you are already perfect. And it's fun to go to therapy because you get to learn these insights and just get a sense of your feelings and stuff. So another way that's kind of not quite therapy, but sort of along, along, it, it, it's, it's a little different is, is uh, men's groups and women's groups. Uh, I've been involved in this one called the mankind project since Oh four totally changed my life. And and the great thing about that is, is, you know, and you've probably seen the, you can imagine it's a bunch of people sitting around talking about their problems and then supporting each other, right. For good and for bad and for weird. I mean, it's all that stuff. And, um, but what it does is if I don't go to those, that my sort of group meeting every two weeks or whatever, I end up that crankiness kinds of builds up. And then I end up being a little crankier towards my wife and my kids. And, um, and I don't show up quite like the man that I like to be. Um, if I'm there, that's a place for me to complain about stuff. God damn it. I just, <laughs> this didn't work out or I'm afraid, afraid of this, or this is, you know, and that's because what happened was before I found that men's group, I would get pissed off at my my family for not being better at support. But the truth is they were their, they were my family. They weren't into that. You know, they did the best they could. So you want to ask people for what they can do and and love them for what they can do. And if they can't do something, then go find it someplace else. So uh, support groups are a really wonderful uh, way for that. And that um, you can't be spend time in those groups and not develop your emotional intelligence and directly become a better screenwriter. So when I work with people, a lot of it's personal growth stuff, 
to the extent that they're ready and they always they always lead their process but like how are you going to tell a goddamn world-class story about life if you don't have significant passionate insights about your own damn life lessons so like so personal growth is a big big thing when i when i work with writers because that's where the juice is that's where the juice is. I love that. I love, I'm a fan of the Mankind Project too. For many years, I've had a lot of um, guy friends, family go through the Mankind Project and it changes them. They show up in a way that's more present and engaged. And it's like, it's noticeable. Um, I don't know what y'all do in there, but I'm like, go to that meeting thing. Cause that's, <laughs> you come out awesome. Go do that. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you. So we'll, we'll go a little deeper. Cause I'll tell you exactly what happens. So my father died when I was 17 and I had a pretty typical family where they felt sad or whatever, but they didn't know how to support me. I certainly didn't know how to really support myself. So I spent my twenties being really pretty fucking pissed off that he died on me and, and kind of dealing with it the wrong way. And um, even alienating my family because I was like, how come they can't support me? Why, why, why? Like just really not being able to own my own experience. But when I was 33 or four, I went to the Mankind Project, and that's what I did on that weekend. It, it, it's really fascinating, at least that particular thing. It's almost like a psychological haunted house. They take you through this thing, and they and they kind of haze you a little bit, and then shit comes up, and you're like, fuck these guys. I mean, it's crazy. And they walk you through. It's like a hero's journey experience for you personally. So for me, because it was 14 years, and I hadn't really mourned and grieved the loss of my father when I was fucking 17, I went there. And I absolutely bawled my eyes out and I sobbed and I grieved and I honored him and I said goodbye to him in a way that was, it took me 14 years, guys. So like that, and I'd been through therapy and dealt with it in other ways, but like it was a different type of experience. So whatever your big life lesson is, mine is abandonment. Everybody has their own thing. But if you can sort of access your own sort of life trauma and and be able to spin that off into different things you just you're just a much more emotionally agile human being and storyteller uh one, one more example about this that you know, gene hackman was on uh james lipton's inside the actor studio and um lipton uh was asking him this question about his father and i guess it was like a divorce or something and it was really beautiful because you saw gene hackman go from a ah, conversation to like how did that thing happen when your dad left and 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 you see Hackman immediately go boom into grief and, and and he wept and he was like he put himself right back to when he was whatever eight years old and his father like drove away in, in a truck and that emotional access for obviously like world-class actor like Gene you guys want your own version of that as screenwriters right you want access to those most horrible things you guys face in your life because that's what you're writing about your screenplays when they're great are metaphors for that shit that went down in your life the stuff you did that you're ashamed of and embarrassed about, you know, that, you know, when I tell you I was, I did things the wrong way <laughs> in my twenties, I, I feel embarrassed, you know, and I also feel okay because it was the best that I could do at the time. And that's the good stuff, right? You want to be writing from that place because um, most of the people out there, right. That were entertaining. They're not, some of them do, but some of them don't go on those journeys. Look, and even if you are going on those journeys, you can still appreciate life. You know, life is, trying stuff, making mistakes, learning from it, you know? Um, so yeah, so 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 if that's your thing, check it out. Mankind Project is awesome. There's another sister organization called Women Within and another one, Women Within was for women, of course, 
but it was a little more heady for some people. So uh, there's another group of people called the Her Weekend, which is actually more like the Mankind Project Weekend, which is really intense. It's hardcore stuff, like crazy shit goes down there. And you know, it's if you're into that sort of thing, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Wow. Um, I, by I, the way, if you guys end up really wanting to go um, into that particular thing, reach out. I'm happy to talk to you about it. It's, it's been a life changer for me. I love that. Yeah. Is it okay if I sign up for the weekend where all we do is sleep and drink wine and belly dance, though? Is that okay? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Whatever you think. Enough emotional processing in my life. I just needed to be like a little more restful and fun at this. <laughs> Whatever your thing is, uh, is perfect, right? It really is. You, you want to do it and you can't do it in, in somebody else's way. Um, you got to do it in your way and just make sure you're getting the results that you want. Again, if you're not getting, um, if you're not getting, if you're getting those notes that are kind of saying that I don't feel you, I don't feel your authentic authenticity, I don't feel your voice, or this, or, or you know, or on the flip side, when you're blowing people away, when people are like, holy shit, I read your script and I, I couldn't stop crying, or like this is the best thing I ever read. When you're getting notes like that, you know you've you've been able to elevate her down to your soul. To and access, if you're not access it. That's right. That's right. Because that that's I'm in avoidance right now, Brooks. I've been in therapy for 20 years. I've cried those tears, and now I'm like, you know. I think I need a break. <laughs> well, break is that's breaks are really important because if you you can't grind, you it's like there's a rhythm thing with personal growth, um, and then you can change up the different the different types of of, of modalities because there's a million of them, you know. So um, find the one that and, and so here's another thing. So you guys um, might have like a morning practice of some sort or an evening practice. Those are really good things, and it can be as simple as taking a deep breath and then like connecting to something that's like bigger, whether you're spiritual or atheist or whatever, there's something big out there that's way bigger than us. And when you tap into it with even just with one simple breath, you feel connected in a way and grounded in a way. So if you do that one breath and the first thing in the morning, first thing at night, that alone will sort of help make you consistent. Um, but like do something, if not that, do something else. It could be a hike or meditation or whatever, but like try to connect to something bigger because you guys know the business. It's this crazy roller coaster business. And, we're, and if we ride that car in the roller coaster, we get jangled. What we want to do is stand next to the roller coaster and watch it go up and down. So we're rooted and we're and we're sort of connected and we see it go up and we kind of live vicariously to the up and the down. So the deal comes up and the deal falls through and the deal comes up and the deal falls through and you win this award and you don't win the other one. And all of it's bullshit, right? It's, it's fun and it's exciting, but like you want to be able to show up and be sane and enjoy your life. So you do that in a grounded way and you kind of are next to the roller coaster watching it go up and down. What happens is when people get caught up and get their identity in, oh, I'm great. I'm the best ever. Oh, I'm a piece of shit because I went down. Oh, I'm great. This is amazing. That's when you end up, it's, 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 it's too, too rough. You end up derailing your career. You, you don't have the sustainability. You don't have the enjoyment. You don't have any of that stuff. You want to have a really healthy, balanced life. So, and the emotional part is, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out your own way. So if you, if you, uh, my friend Kai, if you are burned out a little bit on your therapeutic experience, maybe different therapists, different modality, take a break, do nothing. I like that wine belly dancing thing. That sounds <laughs> it should be fun guys. Yes. You're talking about some heavy shit, right? And you can, you can do that with light hands, whether you're talking about like grief or death or anything, you need a light touch. Like one more example. And then I'll shut up for a bit. The, um, you guys see, uh, Manchester by the sea, right? Super dark, heavy movie. Right. And, and you know, for people I haven't seen it, I won't really trust, but like some deep, terrible stuff goes down. Um, and yet 
what the, what he did really beautifully is in the depths of some really hard stuff going down, there was some really beautiful little bit of humor. Like this, at this one point, it was like a horrible thing that happened, and they're trying to put this woman on uh, in in an ambulance, and and yeah, they're trying to like get that like there was like a stretcher, and like and instead of just putting in the stretcher or whatever, they go clink, it didn't work, like it didn't work, clink, oh oh oh, and then they put in so a, a little bit of slapstick humor in like a super dark drama, but like that you want that balance, you want to be able to go to a deep dark grieving place, but with light sturdy hands, or even if it's horror to really effing scare the hell out of people. But you're doing it with a way with sort of a wink to the audience. So they're in, you know what I mean? That makes sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. My my grandma was that person in our family who in like the greatest catastrophes, challenges, just had this wicked sense of humor. Um, <laughs> there was a death in the family uh, with someone who she didn't really love. And she was in the kitchen whistling, ding dong, the witch is dead. Nice. <laughs> just like that darkness that's so fun uh where she could connect to something bigger than herself more alive you know in each moment she was just hysterical um the journey uh is the destination you know for so many of us you and I connected previously talking about surfing and I feel like that's where I go because surfing is also getting a PhD in failure you're going to screw up so many of the waves and you know, you're going to, what's going to happen is you're going to learn how to fall and paddle out and face it again and get back up and try again. And it just seems like so, so many of them, you don't make it, but then it's like, oh, but then I learned how to adjust differently. And then I, you know, making the next wave. And I think about that a lot with Hollywood because there's a lot of failure and you were talking about the ups and downs, like being on the outside of the wheel and going up and down and up and down. I feel like that's why so many of us become Buddhists. Cause we're like, we got to get to the middle somehow. Where's the safety zone? Because when you're going up, there's a guarantee you're going to be going down next. You know, there's no, uh, there's no break from, from that. So where's your, where's your go-to like refill your, your well, when you're feeling empty uh, with the battle zone that can be Hollywood. Um, it, It's a good question. Um, uh, I, I don't surf anymore. I did as a kid and I loved it. Um, and the, the fear was a really interesting thing. So, so I guess the, the way that I would answer that question, the question is um, it, so if I'm facing adversity X, um, the first thing I do is how what's coming up for me? Am I saying, oh, I'm a fraud, I'm a failure, um, I'm no good, I don't deserve it? Those are kind of different pieces, right? Those are different ways. Um, um, the inner self-talk of what what voice is showing up for you around this. That's, okay, that's, that's right. So I, I, I listen to that. Like, how is it manifesting for me? Am I feeling fear or, you know, I could do it emotionally. Am I feeling fear or just the sort of the negative, the negative inner critic? And I just listen. And then from there, I've been doing personal growth for 30 years. I have a million different ways of, of sort of addressing that. And, um, and so I feel the same damn things everybody else does. The difference after doing a lot of personal growth is I just have a lot of tools. So I'll be a cranky dad to my kids, but I'm really good at apologizing Right away and the edge is is different than like the generation above me right so um i'm human but i'm able to sort of own <laughs> my humanity a little faster because i practice all the time and so by the way my mother died uh just in december and instead of like when my dad died and it took me 14 years 
I mourned the hell out of my mother in like, you know, like right away. I was like a, I was like a Zen master at, at morning, at least the first week. Um, I won't go into the details, but basically like I grieved her so amazingly. It was proud. You can see I'm proud of the way I grieved her. Um, and then the second week I kind of messed it up, <laughs> but like, anyway, so, um, but the point is like, you practice these things, you get better at them. And, and if you're good at the emotional side, that will fuel what you're doing as a screenwriter. Um, for in service to the characters, because most, you know, whatever, the characters are all them and unique to them. And, you know, most people don't have access to their emotions in the way that you will as a screenwriter. So you, you should be true to that character. Yeah, I hear you saying the Zen phrase, you know, eat when you're hungry and sleep when you're tired. And yet that's the thing that we all struggle to do is connect to what we're really feeling in that moment, much less get it on the page. Uh, I'm also a novelist and I feel like screenwriting is harder. You know, come mm -hmm. to screenwriting and it's the, the the haiku meets, you know, high emotional octane and you've got real parameters around page count uh, and where it all has to happen. Uh, it, mm -hmm. I love your, what you're saying because it is that deeper emotional journey. I'm thinking about even some of the animated films I love so much, like Brave, uh, mm -hmm. like um, Inside Out, even these films that, you know, they're for kids. Like I end up weeping like a baby in yeah. some movies uh that are just like so touching because they're they're speaking to something inside of us that just goes so deep uh and i think those are just the best movies in any format whether it's genre or animated or you know drama or rom-com when you when you go somewhere deeper um it means something one of my favorite movies ever is harold and maude and i feel oh, like yeah. he just great. does that so well because the journey that those characters on is especially harold who is really grappling and struggling with his mother and his mother figure through that movie and how he has given away his power um, and he's trying to reclaim it through death and in a way he's going through his own death and re reinventing himself and through um Maud's aliveness he starts to see a new path emerge that he never previously could find and the way they connect over funerals and everything I mean that movie for me is just one of my ever so hysterical but also so profound that's right yeah it's great great movie i mean a lot a lot of a lot of really good movies in the 70s um and that's uh that might be my my top 10 in the 70s for sure it's a, it's a great one so what mistakes do you see screenwriters make um let's see uh the number one mistake um is they stop they stop. I mean, so, you know, I've been at the game for a while. There's, um, uh, you know, if you, if you, if you love it, you know, it really does come from your soul, your heart, or you just enjoy it. Um, and you don't stop and you're learning, and you're getting better. You will cross significant milestones. Um, if what I hear a lot, even people who have actually already had substantial careers, I actually was working with this one community for a while. These were people who were, um, you know, they were like showrunners on stuff you've heard of from like the 80s and 90s. And and, and they were in this community that was about uh, fighting a, uh, ageism in Hollywood. And what's fascinating with that community is um, they were making really the same sort of mistakes that new writers were make that had never broken in yet. And what it is, it's the victim card. Oh, well, you know, I'm too old because I'm, I'm not getting hired or I'm too this or I'm too young or I'm too whatever. And what happens is, is we've got that, um, it's just a habit. It's a habit to play the victim card. They don't like my type or whatever, but, but 
Hollywood, Hollywood doesn't care. Hollywood, if Hollywood thinks they can sell your script and set it up, they're going to sell. They don't care where it comes from. Uh, so like, so, um, so people stop writing if they have the talent. Look, even if you're like not even that talented, but you like it, you should still do it. You know, <laughs> like, um, but like if, um, but yeah, if you just basically say, no, this is part of my life. I enjoy getting to know my life lessons and expressing them in the screenplay. And, and, and doing everything I can to really blow people away emotionally. I mean, that's intrinsically, deeply, profoundly satisfying. And if you do it and you do it for that reason, I promise you, you are setting yourself apart from all those other writers because people are caught up in outcome as opposed to process. So um, that's the number one thing is they stop because they're like, oh, I didn't get outcome yet. I must be a failure. Guys, I, I talk to these people. I talk to people all the time who have amazing accomplishments and they see themselves as a failure in some ways. Right. So um, just know that um, there's always everybody here on this call. You've been at the game. Maybe right now you're already feeling successful. And that's awesome. Right. Um, but if you're not, if you're kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of successful. I'm an aspiring. I'm not a real I'm not a real screenwriter yet. Or whatever. I promise you are. If you write a screenplay, you write. Think about a five year old. If a five year old, if you ask a five year old, hey, can you dance? Yeah, I can dance. Can you sing? Yeah, I can sing. You know, it's like, yeah, that's that's the frame I want. If you guys are writing a screenplay, you're a screenwriter. And if you enjoy it, don't stop. Just keep going. And you know what I mean? And if you do it in a way with everything you've got, full commitment, you will cross milestones. And that's that. And, and, and people, so the mistake they make is they make it more complicated than that. They go, oh, well, I'm not a real screenwriter because um, I don't have representation yet, or I haven't sold something, or I have, I've sold it, but I haven't gotten it produced, or I've gotten it produced, but it hasn't won an award. Well, I've won one award, but not two. Well, I've won five and, and, and an Emmy and a Tony, but like, I'm not as good as such and such, right? It's all bullshit. Get back to just, you love doing it, so keep doing it. Don't stop. I love that. The comparison game can shut down so many talented people where you get caught up in what's happening outside of yourself in that hall of mirrors and when you come back to your own journey it's just you with the page or maybe your writing partner and what you have to say what's burning a hole inside you that you just really have to get out and i know for myself i've, I've really set up a watch system inside my head about this because if i start to get a little down in my life I know that I'm reading too much news and I'm probably not carving out enough space for my creativity. I just know it's like, oh, well, here I am. I'm starting to play the comparison game. I'm spending too much time on Twitter. Did I lose what could have been a half an hour or an hour that could have gone to my writing? Okay, well then, you know, th that observation, because when I'm writing, I have this connection to source. Well, you call it your soul, or you call it source or wherever you go, where it's like, oh, something feels alive and I'm working on it, or I'm trying for that breakthrough here in this area of growth. And I, I love talking to people who are really on that journey on the on the the green growing edges of their own growth in the writing process and their own, you know, manifestation of their own psycho spiritual journey, however that's showing up, because we're all in the, we're all in a, a phase of our lives where verbs right? <laughs> Quote Buckminster Fuller, you're a verb, you know, you're not in any way complete. And I know for myself, I get stuck when I feel like um, I should be somewhere I'm not, you know, you're playing that comparison game of like, oh, but that person, like you were saying, you know, getting stuck it, there. I think you said stopping too, you know, that stopping is a mistake because getting off, you know, on that, that off ramp where you're not on the path anymore, is you're gonna maybe shortchange yourself, your own growth is what I'm thinking you're saying here. 
It's exactly. I mean, think about this. So think about two two different sort of mindsets or ways of showing up. There's the um, 18 year old film student shows up for a meeting and literally they're like, this is awesome. They, they know they're limited. They know they've written one screenplay, but it's maybe got some potential, but they're like, they're just, they're comfortable with themselves at 18 and promise and excited and passionate. And like, they, um, they just, they're okay with themselves, right? There's that. And then there's other person who- I was not like, okay with myself at 18. Well, no, no, I know that. I know. That's this is just hypothetical. Hypothetical. <laughs> hypothetical. There were flashes of us always here, right? And then there's the other part that's- I just had more energy and could get more sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hypothetical. Listen, the, so there's the, the youthful person who's basically like, yeah, I know I don't know a bunch of stuff and I'm okay with that, but I'm really here. And by the way, I actually did hear energy from you that was kind of like this before. So I know you have it in you. Anyway, <laughs> um, and then there's the other one that's won, let's say three Oscars, but they're nervous because like, you know, the money thing's not working out. This isn't working out. That's trouble. They haven't, they need to prove themselves, whatever, right? I Think was relevant. Am I still relevant? all sorts of victim card stuff, right? So those two energies are in both of us, right? And I want you guys to, to, to take the part of you um, at any point in your life. Sometimes it comes earlier on or whatever, but like, you don't need to get anywhere else. There's no, guys, there's nowhere else to go. I promise you. You are gonna, if you keep moving, cross a milestone and then there's another milestone and then there's another milestone. Again, okay, two Oscars, five Oscars, 10 Oscars, best ever in your genre. Okay, fine. Best ever in two genres. Who gives a shit? It's like, you're just there's just another river to cross. So focus on the river that's right in front of you and do everything you've got to be in it and enjoy it. What One other example from, I was in Trader Joe's uh, uh, a couple months ago with my son, who's um, 14 years old. And I just looked at him as we walked into the store and it was like, and I had this really beautiful moment. I was like, you know what? In like 40 years, if I think back to this moment of me just kind of doing this errand with my son, it would be like, amazing. I would, I would romanticize it back then. And, and then having that sort of mind trip idea there, I was, I ended up just enjoying the living hell out of that moment, just because I just went, zoop. I was in the moment. I was like, this is really beautiful. He's this at a certain age. We're just kind of running an errand together, but like, this is awesome. <laughs> like, and we have that capacity to see the, 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 the present as awesome in some way. And when we write screenplays, we're kind of doing that moment by moment. That's part of what we do. But like, you can do that with your life itself, you know, and, and whether it's like that, that sort of time machine game. Oh, if I was 10 years in, in the future, looking back, then I would see it this way whatever you need to do to talk to yourself, to get into a place where you're sort of open to the moment and you're like, yeah, this is really awesome. Even if you're facing significant adversity, you know, that's, that's, that's important. You know, that's, I mean, that's we're living in the moment and nothing but the moment. So getting good at living in the moment, no matter what adversity we're facing, that's the most valuable thing there is, you know, and the, the way screen, the reason why we love movies and shows is because they put us in the moment. It's, and it's, and it's a funny trick that they play, right? So <clears throat> uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So that is a Jedi mind trick that, that Lucas played on the audience by going, Hey guys, this isn't anything to do about you. This is about some spacey people, other things, blah, blah, blah. Nothing to do with your personal life. And then if you happen to like that story, you're like, oh, you were moved by it because it was, you are a hero. You did face adversity. You did rise. So that's what we do in the screenwriting game. You're, it, it's, it's, a, it, it's as if it's about somebody else, but that we relate to it because that protagonist is us. It's about how we really faced that fear. We refused the call from Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
right? In, in a million different ways. And then we, at a certain point, we're like, fuck, we're now we're back in the corner. My stormtroopers killed my family. Now I got, I got to go to the, join the rebellion, right? So like, we've had those patterns going that it goes on and on. So like, and, and when we create stories, we're basically <clears throat> creating symbols for the audience to have that personal growth experience. So does that make sense? Yes. The personal growth experience and, and the, and the catharsis. I know for myself, I grew up really religious and left religion in my teens and the theater became the new religion for me. I directed uh, California's largest touring magic show for a while. Wow, uh, cool. Fun. Um, and, but the journey of just even just sitting in those seats, even as a director sitting in those seats and then in, as an audience member sitting in those seats and realizing that we come bearing our souls to the moment to, to whether we're watching something on screen or on stage, um, it just can make us feel more alive and more connected to even our own humanity, that suspension of disbelief. You know, we come in and we're willing to kind of put things aside. Um, one of my most difficult relationships in my, in my life was my dad. But when we would sit down and watch something or talk about some of the movies that he had grown up seeing, especially, um, there, there was a, a lightness that came into the conversation. There was a lightness that came into our relationship that wasn't there at any other time. And it became like a real refuge for me. I think I still feel that way. And I know a lot of audience, we do, we, you know, we want to be able to set down the burdens of our lives and go feel something um, greater. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. And by the way, you, you know, you did tell me a story about when you were breaking into the business and you had that energy, you had that, it was, it was, it was really beautiful because you were like, oh, when I was young, I didn't have any of that, but no, that's, I heard it in the story <laughs> that you had. I was a little firecracker, but I was in a lot of pain. I mean, I think that the, uh, the confusion of, you know, identity confusion, because I was queer and bi and in the closet. Uh, and then the pain of coming out of, you know, a lot of adversity from my teenage years and you know, just being like, how do I get people to like me? That was my only question. I don't think I was living in any true capacity. I was trying to find, be on a journey of writing. I was still writing. I'd written my first screenplay at 20, but I was so shy about it, nervous about it, didn't know who I was, that my only concern was, well, just how do I get people to like me? And I abandoned my own creative process without knowing it. It was a long time before I could come into, well, what do I love? And what do I have to say? What's meaningful to me? What, regardless of what anyone else thinks, you know, where I could start to find the truth. Uh, you, Gary Shanling, who I used to work for, talked about it a lot. You know, how do you find what's true inside you? Where's that truth? Where are you? Where are you leaning into? And for him, it was always, where's your love? Where's your pain? Because somewhere in that spectrum is your humanity, your aliveness, and for your characters too. Where's their love? Where's their pain? Um, what's what's true for them is they're collaborating with one another, even in the villain hero collaboration or in, you know, the the journey that we're all kind of on. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I um, the, the point that I'm trying to make for you is you the way you told me the energy I got from you about when you were breaking in, you didn't tell me about all those other struggles. Right. I knew you did. And, and I, I get that. But we again, we get to choose how we frame our present and in our past and our future, right? So, so lean into the the frame that's that's just focusing on what's what's amazing, you know. And and that was that was a real thing. I wouldn't say it if I didn't see it. It was really beautiful. And you, there was at least in the way you were conveying it to me, you framed it in a way that there was full ownership of you not needing to know more than you did, and you just persistently spoke to this guy and said, "I, I think I can help you." And that was that. And there was a real beautiful power in that. So. Oh. Um, about yeah when i was a when i 
how breaking a he means as a development exec. That's um, right. And the story that Brooks is referring to, I I told for him for his audience, which was um, and I'll tell it briefly here since he's referenced it, and nobody I think knows this story. So I was going to yoga a lot, and um, it was my community. It was like my wellspring, and I would go every morning to Vinny's yoga class and in, in yoga works in Santa Monica. And next to us on the mat, me and my friends was this guy that we came to call Pajama Bill because he showed up every morning for class in his pajamas. And I mean, full on flannel pajamas, like cabin pajamas. And then he would get in the world's fanciest Mercedes and drive away. And we were like, who is Pajama Bill? This is crazy. Uh, so uh, we started chatting with him one day and he said, oh, I, I run a production company. And it turned out to be a really well-funded production company. And uh, was chatting with him about his uh, what he was doing, what movies he was making, what was happening. And I he mentioned that he may need somebody to help him read scripts. And I was just like, I want that job. I could like read scripts and participate with this. Sounds so cool. So yeah, I was just throwing myself at it. Every time I'd see him, I'd be like, you ready to hire me yet? Yeah, I can't wait. You know, I can't wait to come work for you. It's going to be great. I'll be one of the best readers ever. And we had, um, we developed a lot of trust. And I- Hold on, let, let me jump in guys, because look at that framing, right? It's really beautiful. She wasn't worried about outcomes. She, she was being playful about it. The energy was like, she, she had like nothing to lose. And that energy is, is, is available to you at every single point in your career. You're nothing to lose, playful. The outcome is, is, is differentiated from you. Really great. Really, really great. He came to trust me. And that's why I got hired. That passion that showed up, he was like, I think you can help me. He, I didn't give him a resume. I didn't have one to give. Uh, so it was really just that connected point in that moment, you know, hurling yourself at the unknown with a lot of passion, as sometimes we do when we're young. So yeah, that was that story. And that was how I got that job, which is pretty cool. You could get that job too. <laughs> Throw yourself with passion at the job you really want. Um, Brooks, hi, hi. One, one quick logistic. Um, I, I didn't, I, I actually have a, a commitment, uh, in, in five minutes. I didn't realize I, I can definitely come back later if you need me to. Um, but I, I didn't realize you wanted to go longer than an hour today. So thank um, you for telling me. Um, and we are just wandering through the halls of this conversation, which was really, really great. <laughs> well, let's, let's tell the listeners how they can find you. Um, cause I know you're on Twitter and you're active. Where, where can they find you in your book? Yeah, they can get, uh, at, at Twitter. I'm, I'm at Brooks Elms. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of free content there. Um, brookselmscoaching.com. You can get some information there about my stuff. Um, or just reach out to Kaya and she can forward your information. I'm happy to answer questions. You can get my book. It's, uh, it'll cost you seven hard earned bucks to get my book. Um, and if you want it for free, I'll give it to you for free. So <laughs> I don't care. Um, I'm trying to help you. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's that. Well, thank you so much for being a great special guest on the show. I have an idea, which is because everybody here is on Twitter, let's take our questions uh, for Brooks onto Twitter. So awesome. go ahead and bring your questions for him and then he can catch up with you, get to know you on Twitter as you ask your questions that you have for him about screenwriting and process, the journey questions you may have. Um, and one more time, Brooks, your Twitter handle, just so they can it's, find It's at Brooks Elms, B-R-O-O-K-S-E-L-M-S. Um, or you can just Google Brooks Elms. There's I have lots of videos on on uh, on YouTube too. I did a film courage interview and other stuff. So you can get plenty. Believe me, you can get plenty of me yapping about all sorts of stuff <laughs> if you're crazy enough to like what I've said here. Um, 
but I, but I really appreciate you guys listening and I appreciate that you being on this journey as my fellow storytellers. Um, and I appreciate you inviting me here, Kaya. She's wonderful. You guys have a, a wonderful um, uh, leader that you're fearless leader that you're following. Uh, she's, she's, she's delightful. Um, and so yeah, I appreciate everybody here. Thank you. Thank you, Brooks. Thank you for being with us and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Entertainment Business Wisdom. We invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Please like, review, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Kaya Alexander can be reached on Twitter for your questions or comments at This Is Kaya. Get entertainment business career training as well as a free special report how to pitch anything in one minute at www.entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Thank you.